again. We're so glad that you chose to be here or watching online today. Uh, Easter, such a special day, and I hope that uh, we'll meet the, the need that you have. I went back and I sat down. I just have to say, I am sorry, family. I should have put my mask on. I didn't think of it. Uh, I get so used to it. Um, and so, boy, I tell you what, you, you sit there thinking, oh, my goodness, a grandma's going to come punch me in the face after the service today, uh, grabbing their child without a mask on. But I, I, I'm, I'm just recovered from COVID, so I think I'm immune for a little bit. You're in the nurse. You know the, the stuff. So, okay. All right. Very good. I just felt very bad about that. Wasn't even thinking. Been down to Florida. They just don't have rules down there, so I got a little bit off, right? <laughs> oh, I've been so excited about preaching this message now for weeks. Uh, I had time by being in quarantine, locked in my basement. I called the dungeon. You know, we put a, a black plastic sheet up at the doorway from the basement to the upstairs, and I was there down in the basement by myself for 13 days. Julie would come down in a full hazmat suit and put some food. She would call as she came down. I'm coming down. Go to the other side. So I'd be on the far side of the room, and she'd walk in and just put the food down, say hi, and gone. Oh, miserable quarantine, not being with people. It's just that's the hard part of it, is not being with people. So it's wonderful to see you here today. Even before then, I was thinking about what to preach on Easter. We as pastors get all sorts of uh, uh, invites online, uh, advertisements come in, and I bought several things. I bought several packages with ideas for Easter sermons, went through dozens, didn't like any of them. Then one day I was in the car with Julie, and the song came on the radio, There Was Jesus. It's Dolly Parton. So sometimes pastors get inspired by Dolly Parton. That's what your message is today. Dolly Parton and uh, Zach Williams singing this song, There Was Jesus. And I listened to the song and I thought, yes, that is exactly what I want to preach on Easter morning. There was Jesus. At the end of the service, Tracy and I are going to sing that song for you. And I hope that it will inspire you to not just know about a Savior who died on a cross and a Savior who rose again, but so what? The question should always be, so what? Is there anything there for me? What does that mean for me today, here and now? And so that's what I want to share with you this morning. Would you pray with me before I preach this message? I'd ask that you'd pray this prayer. You don't have to say anything out loud, but if you'd say these words. God, I know you have something for me to hear, so I'm willing to listen. Would you give that prayer quietly to God? God, I know you have something for me to hear, so I'm willing to listen. And God, we pray that you would be glorified. We pray that everyone hearing this message would be edified. We pray that Satan would be horrified. In Jesus' name, amen. There was Jesus. 1 Peter 1, 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is what we celebrate today. If Jesus didn't rise again on the third day, then we have nothing to be happy about. If we just have a martyred Savior, and that's the end of the story, it's just sad. But we're not sad. Those of us who believe, we are rejoicing today. We are excited because he rose again, just as he prophesied. He would die, be buried, and rise again on the third day. Those of you who are here on Good Friday, I'm thankful that Pastor Doug Schmidt was here to preach the message about Jesus on the cross. I pray that you were encouraged by that. But today we are excited because we have a risen Savior. There was Jesus. 
Sometimes people only get around to being able to be at church on Easter and Christmas. C&E Christians, we call them. Uh, Christian, uh, Christmas and Easter only. And if that's you today and you're here, we're just thankful that you're with us. But you know what? As a pastor, I didn't want to give you the same message you hear every time. If you only get around to being with us maybe twice a year, I don't want to just talk about Jesus was born, Jesus died, Jesus rose. I want to add a little bit to you to fill in the answer to the question, so what? So what does that mean for me today, here and now? I think that questions need to be answered. And there are questions for Easter. There's questions for Jesus that we're going to ask today. And there are questions for us to have to answer because of a resurrection. There is a big so what that Jesus was the Son of God who came, lived a sinless life, and died for our sins and was risen again. There's a big so what to that. And we need to answer a question today as well. So here's what you usually get on Easter. There was Jesus on the cross. Luke 23, 33 through 47. I'm not going to read all these verses, and the people on the computer is just going to have to fly along. But you know the story of the cross. You know what happened there. Specifically in Luke 23, we hear that there are two criminals, one on each side of Jesus. And they're being crucified that day as well and one of them gets snarky with jesus can you imagine that and he kind of mocks jesus and the other one says hey whoa 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 this guy has done nothing wrong and yet here he is dying he's not like us he's not really a criminal and i love what jesus says in verse 43 jesus answered him he said truly i tell you today you will be with me in paradise in verse 44 it was about noon And darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. That's the message of Good Friday. There was Jesus for the criminal on the cross. And then you usually hear this on Easter morning. There was Jesus at the empty tomb. In John 20, verses 11 through 16, we hear the story about Mary. See, Jesus was there on Resurrection Sunday for Mary. In verse 15, as Mary shows up and she sees the tomb is is opened already and she, she goes in and Jesus is not there, Mary's concerned. Where is he? Where have they taken him? She wants to know. There's angels there and they say, what are you looking for? Why are you sad? And, and she's confused about what's happening. And then Jesus shows up. But I love what, I just got to tell you once again, I love that Jesus likes to mess with people. I, I think I'd get along with Jesus. I think he likes to do things to, to mess with people just a little bit. And he always shows up and they don't recognize him. This is after the resurrection. He didn't look like he normally looked. And so she doesn't know who this guy is. She thinks the guy is the gardener in charge of this place. And Jesus says to her in verse 15, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Then Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. I love that. Jesus looks like a gardener. And who are you looking for? Why are you sad? And she says, just if you've moved him, just tell me. I'll go get him and get him back. And then all she says was the word Mary. Then she recognizes him. She knows him as Jesus. 
See, Jesus was there on the cross on Good Friday. And Jesus was there on Resurrection Sunday for Mary Magdalene. That's the story we usually hear. And maybe that's the only stories you've heard in Scripture. But I want to let you know the Bible is full of stories of there was Jesus. Even in the Old Testament, before Jesus came as a a child at Christmas, he actually was the pre-incarnate Christ in several stories we're going to talk about today. There was Jesus. One of my favorites is there was Jesus on the rocking boat. This isn't the one where Jesus walks in water. This is the one where Jesus is actually laying in the boat, asleep. And the water is, is raging. I love how the Bible is literature, and you've got to read the way it's written. In, in Matthew 8, it talks about the waves and the water was furious. They, they use these words furious and anger because it matches the mood and atmosphere of the disciples in the boat. Can you imagine being on this boat and the wind and the waves and everything's rocking and you're scared? You're, and all of a sudden you see that Jesus is asleep. And you're like, what, why are you... And, They match the fury of the waves when they grab Jesus and they say this, Matthew 8, verse 25, the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. I say it loud because there's a exclamation point there. Lord, save us. We're going to drown. They yell at him. They're angry like the waves. They're upset at him. And here's the question. There's there's a lot of questions we got to ask today. Jesus was there for his friends, even when they're angry and accusing, because what they're actually saying is, Jesus, don't you care? In the Matthew 8 story, I believe they're they're upset at him because he, he doesn't seem to care about us, but they didn't get that right. Maybe that's a question you have for Jesus today. Sure, I've heard that Jesus died on a cross. I've heard that he rose again. I heard the beautiful story of Bethlehem and the baby. I like all those stories, but so what? Here's your so what today. Jesus does care. He does care. He wakes up in that boat and he says, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Does he care? Yes, he cares. There was Jesus. Another story was the fiery furnace. And that's kind of the story of what we sang about. There was another in the fire. There was another in the water. In the fiery furnace, there was Jesus. Daniel 3, 19 through 25. Jesus was there for the three righteous Hebrew boys in the moment of crisis. Three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? We, we know Abednego here, right? Everybody's messed up. We'll never get that right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abednego. Three righteous Hebrew boys, they, they just decided that they weren't going to bow to this, this Nebuchadnezzar, this king. And, and so he, they end up being thrown into a fiery furnace. If you've heard the story, and I put them all on the screen in, in the numbers of the Bible so that you could look these whole stories up today. But the Bible tells us that Nebuchadnezzar was so angry, so furious at them for not worshiping him. He wanted to be the one that was worshipped, not this Hebrew god. And he had commanded everybody to worship him. And these three boys, righteous Hebrew boys, they wouldn't do that. And so the king orders the fiery furnace. These people were pretty wicked, weren't they? They had things like fiery furnaces. And and he he had them stoke that furnace up seven times hotter than normal. We know it's hot because the Bible says that the men who went to, to do this task for King Nebuchadnezzar, they got burnt up and died just being at the front of the fire, at the at the opening of the fire. 
And so then they grab these three Hebrew boys and they throw them into the fiery furnace. And that's where you've heard uh, earlier today as I talked about it. Verse 24 of this passage. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Of course, somebody who thinks he's a god would use the term the gods. He doesn't know the god, big G. He uses the term little g. He thinks a god is in the fiery furnace walking with the boys. And boy, he got that one right. There was Jesus. I believe this is a pre-incarnate Jesus. I believe it was Jesus that went into this fiery furnace and he walked with them. He stood with them in the fire. One of the questions you might have, the so what questions, is Jesus, do you care? Another question you might have is, Jesus, will you stand with me? Will you stand with me in this fire? I don't want anybody to leave today thinking I'm selling you a health and wealth gospel that if you accept Jesus, that everything in your life will go great. Quite the opposite. Let me promise you what Hebrews promises. If you believe, you will suffer. If you believe in Christ, you will go through fiery ordeals. It's it's a guarantee. Having Jesus in your life doesn't take away every problem, but there is a promise. He does care. And he will walk with you. Isn't it great just to have somebody? I'm telling you, after 13 days alone in a basement, you get to think, people are all right. (laughs) I think think I like people. I I, I love to tell you, as your pastor, I did incredible things. I I could tell you that maybe I read thousands of of books. No, I I actually watched the Marvel Studio series, the whole thing, the whole timeline. I I don't know how many movies are there, 306, I don't know. I watched the whole Marvel thing in a timeline order. Who's going to have time to do that? I had time to do that. So I watched all of them. And now I understand it so much better. I'm a Marvel nut now. But being alone, being alone, that's what's so awful about what we've gone through. Being alone. You're not meant to be alone. And you're never alone. If you would just know that The so what of the cross, the so what of the empty tomb is that you have a Savior who cares. You have a Savior who will be there. He won't take away every fire or deal, but he'll be there with you. Oh, to have someone there. Not too long ago, we were talking in the office, I think it was after winter camp, talking to Pastor Ben. And uh, we were remarking that he didn't leave anybody behind. And we talked about youth pastors who lost kids. Have you ever been in charge of a group and lost one of them, anybody? All right, well, there's only, oh, there is another one. There's two fools here. I was a youth pastor for 20 years, and I had a great record. Really, I really did. My thought was if you brought back 99%, that's a good, in baseball, I'd be incredible. But I lost one once. Thankfully, it was just some college guys. I had four college boys with me. They were kind of shadowing me. I was mentoring them, and I went on a speaking engagement. They wanted to see what I did as a speaker. So I took them in the church van, and we all went. I spoke and did my thing, and then we were coming home. It was late. We're all tired. We stopped at a rest area here in Michigan, not not but 60 miles from home. And uh, I was the only one awake, and I looked around, and I said, hey, I'm going to go to the bathroom. So I went in, and I went to the bathroom. And I came back out of the rest area, and there, I saw the guy behind me was still asleep. So I got in a van, and I started and took off. Drove 60 miles and got home. And when we got home, I got out, started grabbing my stuff, put in my car, looked, and the other guys got out and got in their cars, and they all left. About an hour and a half later, I get a phone call from one of the boys. Why didn't you leave me? 
I'm like, what are you talking about? You left me at the rest stop. I'm like, I didn't know anybody got out. I didn't see you. Nobody told me you got out. I called the other guys. I'm like, why didn't you tell me he got out? So we didn't know. I said, didn't you notice when we got home that he wasn't in the van? No, you didn't either. Oh. The boy actually had hitchhiked with a, a truck driver the last 60 miles home. So thankful he's a college student, right? Ooh, that would have been awful. To be left alone. He's forgiven me. He went on to be a youth pastor, and he told me, he confessed, he left kids too. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> no one wants to be left alone. Nobody wants to be without that companion or help. And that's the beautiful so what of Easter. It's not just that Jesus died on a cross. It's not just that he rose again. There's a so what to it. He does care. He will walk in that fire. And then he's on that sinking boat. There's another boat story. I just did a whole series about boats in the Bible, and I I love the many stories with Jesus and boats, but this one he wasn't in the boat with him. This is a story in Matthew 14 where where the disciples had been working hard hours caring for people with Jesus, and Jesus said, I need to go up and pray, and he sent them in the boat to the other side. Remember, Jesus said, you go, I'll pray, I'll meet up with you. They should have asked how, but they didn't ask how, they just wanted to get away from the crowd, so they get in the boat, and they go across the lake. Well, the Bible says that in the lake they, they met a storm and they struggled for like six hours against the storm to get to the other side. I always wondered, why didn't they just quit and come back? Well, maybe they were being good students of a rabbi. You're supposed to do everything the rabbi said and Jesus had clearly said, go to the other side. So somebody in the boat was a stickler for details. There's always the one who wants to follow rules. And they're like, we can't row. And so they rowed and they rowed and they rowed and Finally, the Bible gets us to the point where we hear that Jesus comes to them walking on the water. Love that story. There was Jesus asleep in the boat. There was Jesus in the fiery furnace. And there was Jesus without a boat walking on water. In Matthew 14, shortly before dawn, Jesus went to them on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus said to them, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. That's a great three-word answer to the question, so what? It is I. Or there was Jesus. Jesus was there for the disciples, his friends who were scared and alone. Maybe the question was, Jesus, will you show up? I don't know what questions you're asking about Jesus this Easter. Do you care? Will you walk with me in the fire? Will you even show up? Well, the so what of Easter is yes, he does care. Yes, he'll be there in the fire. And yes, he will show up. Even if that means he has to defy nature and walk on water, he'll get there. In one of the Gospels, I love how the writer says it, Jesus went to them on the water and he was about to pass them by. I just can't imagine what that looked like. In my mind, I mean, just forgive me, okay? Uh, The Bible doesn't say this. Sometimes we like to translate the the white blank pages. But but I can imagine Jesus walking on the water. They're thinking they're going to die because the boat. And he's passing by them to go to the other side. And they're like, Jesus! And he's like, sup? I I just can back to this picture. Like, Jesus, like, sup? See over there. And, And then they're freaking out. And then you hear the word from the boat Lord, if it's you, can I come out on the water? Peter. And Jesus says, come. 
And Peter gets out of the boat and walks on water. I love the stories of Scripture that tell us about Jesus. But the one I want to really focus on this morning is there was Jesus for the woman at the well. In John chapter 4, 4 through 26, we have a beautiful story. It starts out in verse 4 by saying, now he had to go through Samaria talking about Jesus. No, he didn't. He didn't have to go through Samaria. Matter of fact, Jewish people never went through Samaria. They were known to walk around Samaria. They did not like Samaritans. Jews and Samaritans did not get along. Samaritans were a half-breed Jewish mixed with false gods. So they kind of knew about God, but they kind of messed it all up. So Jews wouldn't have anything to do with the Samaritans. They just didn't like them. They would walk around Samaria. I've even heard that they would walk in the water around Samaria so their feet wouldn't touch shore. They would walk in the water just to stay out of Samaria. So when the Bible says he must needs go through Samaria, no, he didn't. They would do anything to avoid Samaria. What the Bible's actually saying, Jesus had to go because he had an appointment there. You need to know that Jesus is going to be there for you. If he has to walk on water or walk in fire, he's there. There was Jesus for a woman at the well. And we get into this story, and and it's a woman who's there at high noon to get water. And we know from historical facts that women used to gather earlier in the morning in the cool of the day, and they'd go together. And I could see it being a very social event. I could see the ladies all gathering, carrying their jars down to get water, and it's cool. And then they could talk about their husbands being a pain. You know it, ladies. Come on, amen. Some lady give me an amen. And they could, they could just share. Like, did you see what so-and-so did? I'm sure this is like the modern-day water cooler, but it's the water collection. And the women are going to get the... But this woman couldn't go. This woman's got to pass. She wasn't going to be accepted in the early morning with all the ladies. They wouldn't have her. This woman knows that in the morning when they're collecting water, they're probably talking about her because she's got a past. She's an interesting story to tell. So she goes in the heat of the day by herself. And Jesus must needs go to Samaria. And at noon, he walks to the well. He sends his disciples into town. And so it's just him, a rabbi, and a Samaritan woman. And Jesus says this, verse 7, will you give me a drink? She says, how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. But Jesus is there. He does care. He will show up. And he's there for an outcast who nobody likes, who needs salvation. There was Jesus for the woman filled with guilt and living in shame. It's an interesting conversation. She hears about this living water and she's like, you don't have anything to get water with. What are you talking about some living water? And Jesus answered her in verse 13. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Then the woman said, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. And I don't have to keep coming here to draw water. See, this woman has no idea who she's talking to. But he came there for her. 
He's telling her about some living water where you'll never be thirsty again. And, and she says, well, give it to me. I want this water so I won't be thirsty. And I won't have to come here at noon by myself every day. Embarrassed and ashamed. And then Jesus says, go get your husband and let me tell you about it. And she says, sir, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Have you watched the series, The Chosen? If you haven't seen it, I'd encourage you to to watch it. This scene is incredible. They translated some of those white spaces And the woman's reaction is pretty upset here is, Jesus, I had a good thing going. I'd show up at noon and nobody was here. At least I was alone and I wasn't going to get mocked. And now here you are bringing this up. I'm here so that nobody would bring it up. And here you are telling me that I've had five husbands and the guy I'm living with and shacking up with isn't even my husband. And then I love what she does next. She pulls the classic teenager move. She starts talking about something else. I mean, it's a weird conversation. She's like, I see that you're a prophet. You know everything that I've done. You say that we have to worship on this mountain. We've got another. And she just goes off course. But I love how Jesus is there with the passion. He's there for the woman. And he he listens to her questions about where to worship. And he corrects her. And he says there's a, a Messiah. And when that Messiah comes, it doesn't matter where you worship. It doesn't matter what background you have. You don't have to be a perfect Jew. You can be a Samaritan. If you believe in the Messiah, you will be saved. It's a great conversation. Verse 25 The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Oh, I love verse 26. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. There was Jesus. For the woman at the well who was asking the question, Jesus, can you forgive me and save me? This morning, the so what of the cross and the so what of the empty tomb is that he's more than just a lucky rabbit's foot or a four-leaf clover you carry around, hope that things go well. He's the Messiah, and he came to save. The Bible makes it very clear why there was Jesus. He said so in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. There was a reason why Jesus came. He came to seek and to save. Peter Kreft said this, we are all insane. That is what original sin means. Sin is insanity. It's preferring finite joy to infinite joy. Creatures to the creator, an unhappy godless self to a happy God-filled self. Only God can save us from this disease. That is what the name Jesus means. The name Jesus means God saves. Hashua, God saves. So maybe you've come to church every once in a while. We want to let you know today there's a huge so what to Easter. And that he came to save you. Yes, he'll be there in the fire. Yes, he will show up. But you need to know that he can save you from what you have from birth. And that's a sin problem. I I don't know if you noticed. I had a beautiful girl in my arms today. Oh, she's sweet. 
But no matter how neat her parents are and how good they are, they, they gave her something. They gave her a sin problem. Everybody hands that sin problem down. And Jesus came to fix that sin problem. When you look at Scripture, and when you see all the stories, the beautiful stories through the gospel about what Jesus did and who he was, you start seeing a constant theme that there was Jesus. He was there for the woman on the floor. Remember the story where the religious uppity-ups had Jesus for dinner and they wanted to question him. They wanted to see who this guy was. Is he just a teacher? Is he really the Messiah? Or is he a crazy lunatic? And then there's a woman there. And she didn't belong either. She's ashamed and full of guilt. She's got a past. But the Bible says instead of being up at the table, she's on the floor and she breaks a, a bottle of perfume and wipes Jesus' feet with it. Remember that story? And the host is upset. What are you doing? And Jesus says, no, I, I accept this worship. What she's doing is a beautiful thing. Because she had accepted through belief in Jesus a new life. And she was worshiping at his feet and all the religious uppity-ups didn't believe and they were lost and i love the scene that jesus turns his back on the uppity ups and he looks at the woman and he accepts her this morning you might think that you can't be accepted because you've got a past i just want to say welcome to the club i don't know what kind of people i hang with but most people i meet have a past most people that i associate with need a savior And let me tell you, Jesus isn't a crutch. So many people say, oh, Jesus is a crutch for the weak. No, Jesus isn't a crutch. Man, he he amputated my legs. He gave me life. He's not a crutch. He's a brand new life. And he gave this woman a new life, and she couldn't stop crying and worshiping at his feet. What about the story of the woman in the dirt? Remember the woman who who was having the disease of the blood, and she was another outcast. Nobody wanted to be around her to be defiled. And she found herself groveling on the floor with a crowd of people around. And she just wanted to touch the hem of his garment. She believed in Jesus that she thought, if I could just touch the corner of his clothes, it'll be enough. I don't need to bother him. I just want some of his power. Just give me a little bit. And she just reached up and, and just touched the tallet. It's the tassel on the end of his prayer shawl. And immediately Jesus said, whoa, stop, somebody touched me. He knew that the power had gone out from him. She didn't want to be seen. She would have rather snuck away, but Jesus said, wait, somebody. The disciple says, are you crazy? Everybody's running into you. It's a crowded place here. He's like, no, no, we need to point this out. And he finds the woman in the dirt. And he calls her her child. You see, no one's allowed to touch the talent of a Jewish rabbi. The, the little tassel on each corner, I won't get into the whole story, but there, there's a meaning to it. And no one's allowed to touch that, except for your child. Ryan, when you're carrying Cora around, she can do that. She can pull your beard. She can, you know, not, but I couldn't do that. I couldn't jump up in your arms, Ryan, and start pulling on your beard. You'd be like, hey, bam. <laughs> That's weird. But Korah is your child. There's a special privilege. And what Jesus said to that woman as she's groveling in the dirt, ashamed, not wanting to be seen, no, he lifts her up and he says, my child. He gives her status. New life. 
and heals her. Oh, I could just go on and on each one of these. I just want to touch them just for a moment. What about that demon-possessed man? I love the story of the demon-possessed man. This guy is, has lost his mind with all the legion of demons in him. He's, in, he's terrorizing a town. The town doesn't know what to do with him. Every once in a while, all the men gather up and they go and tackle him and put him in chains. I love this story. He's naked. He cuts himself with rocks and he howls out in the nighttime. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine growing up in a town where there's a crazy lunatic who's naked? All the moms are like, don't go near him. Stay away from the naked bleeding guy. That's bad stuff. But Jesus comes and the moment he even touches shore, as soon as he touches shore, this demoniac comes running and falls on his feet and begs him not to hurt him. The demons know Jesus and his power. And Jesus saves this man, casts out those demons and makes him new. He was there. And then Jesus was there for the family funeral. John chapter 11, 17 through 44, Jesus shows up. I usually joke and say that I'd rather do three funerals than one wedding because a girl and a mom dreams about that wedding day forever and you don't want to mess it up. And you really can't mess up a funeral. I've never done a funeral and messed it up. That person's still dead. Except for Jesus. Jesus messes up funerals. He shows up and he ends the funeral, right? But the conversation with Mary and Martha before he raises Lazarus is amazing. They kind of he kind of gets scolded. If you had been here, if only you'd been here on time, Jesus. But I love what Jesus says in John eleven twenty five through 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection of life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is before Lazarus has risen from the dead. This is all happening at the funeral. And Jesus asks a question. It's a good day for questions on Easter. Jesus, do you care? Will you walk with me in the fire? Will you show up? Can you save me? And now Jesus gets a chance to ask a question. Do you believe this, that I am the resurrection and the life? And if you believe in me, you will never die. Rick Warren says, salvation is not a religion. It's not rules or regulations or rituals. Salvation is a relationship. That relationship doesn't begin when you get to heaven. It begins here on earth. Do you believe this? All that said this morning, eyeballs here. There was Jesus on a cross. And there was Jesus at the empty tomb. So what? Well, as you read through scriptures and you hear all these beautiful stories, there was Jesus. But he's there for you today, too. Did you know he's been with you? If you don't know him in a personal relationship and have never accepted salvation, let me tell you, he's there for you today. He's there for you right now. He does amazing things. He does things only he can do. I asked permission to tell this story today, but there's Mark. I pulled out of Oakwood here a year ago on my way home for lunch. 
just, you know, I don't have a time. I just go when I'm hungry. I did, it's, so, so some random time, I get out of my desk, I go get in my car, and I drive to the exit of Oakwood Community Church. And as I'm about ready to turn right and head to Ortonville, a car comes past, and as it passes me, it goes into the yard of the church, almost hits the mailbox. So I pull in behind the car and start following it and thinking, oh, man, this guy's probably on a cell phone. But I notice he goes across traffic and into the yard across the street. He's out of control. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, what is going on? Now I'm thinking this guy must be drunk or, or worse. Who knows? This guy's got a problem. He's, he's flying down the road, so I'm flying down behind him. And I call 911. They're on speakerphone. I'm like, hey, I got a guy. I have no idea what's going on, but he's, he's riding in yards. He's crossing the other lane of traffic. He's about ready to hit somebody, and we're coming up. And, and Mark doesn't even know all this stuff. He wasn't really there. He was there, but he wasn't there. And we're driving, and, and, and he, we're going up a hill. You know how you're going, and it's a solid yellow line. Be careful. He's in the other lane. I'm talking to 911 saying, we're about ready to... And I'm just praying there's not a car coming. The whole time I'm behind him, I'm honking the horn. Honk, 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 honk. I'm trying to get him to stop. I'm thinking about doing the, the spin-out maneuver. But I like my car. So I, I, I'm following him, still thinking, what is going on? I'm telling 911, we got a problem. You got to get somebody here quick. And as we keep going down the road, 50 miles an hour, 55 miles an hour, we get to one of the S-turns on Oakwood, and I'm on 911 telling them what's going on, telling them where we're at, and instead of making the turn, the car just goes straight through. In the air, it was Dukes of Hazard. I'm not kidding. Yee-haw! I'm watching this car. I can see underneath it, it flies into the swamp and lands. And I'm like, we just crashed. We just crashed. Get somebody here now. And I get out of the car. Mark stumbles out of his. He'd gotten a shot for your foot or something, right? And he was having a reaction to the medication. He was barely conscious. He was white as a ghost. He could barely walk. He's in a swamp. I see him get out of his car up to his knees in, in gunk, and, and, he's, and I'm thinking, I, I'm afraid of snakes. I was, I was wanting to go in and rescue him, but I said, can you come to me? <laughs> and, and Mark stumbled close enough where I was able to grab him underneath the arm and pull him to shore. And put him on the ground until the ambulance came. He had his phone in his pocket. And thankfully, uh, I got his wife. Called his wife. I said, I, I don't know. I, I think your husband's having problems. I told her where we're at. And she said, we live just down the road. I'll be there in a second. I don't know if you remember, but I remember when you got there, you walked up to me. And I was going to say something like, hey, listen, I was. And the next thing I know, she just, she's hugging me. She's hugging me. I said, I'm the pastor at Oakwood Community Church. Even then, I wasn't catching on. Mark had had a crisis that day. But at the right time, he put him with the pastor of a church who, who, who wouldn't quit and who would talk to the wife and find out that they had a precious daughter. And the next thing you know, you're at our church accepting Christ. There was Jesus that happened this year. I was in Florida last week on the beach with thousands of my best friends. <laughs> and I read a post, and I got permission to read this post. Prayers for Adrian. Aaron and Aaliyah Cluck are here today. Their little boy, Adrian, has had all sorts of challenges. But I read this story about they just recently went in for tests. And she says this, the doctor finally was finished and met us in the consultation room 
He went over his past hearing history, testing results. The test included two failed hearing tests as an infant at Hurley. And his last ABR done a couple of years ago, which showed 40% hearing loss in one ear and 60% in the other. After that testing in 2018, Adrian got his hearing aids. The notes reported that because of his genetic disability, his ears probably had never formed properly and that he may uh, have the small bones in his ear structure might be missing, causing his hearing loss. He looked at us and he said, Today, Adrian showed normal hearing. Aaron and I looked at each other and asked, What do you mean, normal hearing? He said, I don't have an explanation for you. Hearing never gets better, only worse. Ear structure doesn't correct itself. At this point, discontinue the hearing aids and follow up later. Adrian can hear perfectly in both ears. We've walked through a lot of suffering and hard moments in the last four years, but have to say that in every situation there's been a but God moment. There was Jesus in the words of Leah. He was there when we had to do CPR on our son. He was there when we were on the floor of the hospital pleading for his life. He was there on the ventilator when we didn't know the outcome, when I was struggling extremely with anxiety and fear. God was there after we heard the news and read the 40-page pamphlet of the things he wouldn't do and the medical problems that may occur. But still, his peace had passed all understanding. Adrian's life has grown my faith, taught me how to pray, and changed my relationship with God in a dramatic way. It's not to say I haven't had some hard conversations with God about Adrian, but I have to say that God has shown up in every season. We continue on with hope and expectation that in every situation, with Adrian being able to hear, we are hopeful that one day he'll be able to speak. And I'm so grateful for his life, his testimony, and that I was chosen to be his mom. I wanted to share a message with you today because I want you to know that there was Jesus, and it's not just a story from many years ago. There's a so that, a so what. And Jesus is here for you in your life today too. Sure, I'll end my message by saying and reminding you there was Jesus for you and me on the cross and at the empty tomb. But because of that, he asked a question. Do you believe? This morning, I want to end my message by just asking you, this Easter, has been a time in your life when you've asked God to save you and forgive you of your sins and to come into your life as your Savior and Lord. Oh, he's not the, the uh, cosmic Easter bunny that's going to you know, bring flowers and candy all the time, as some people think. No, it's a hard life when we go through hard struggles. But as a believer, we have the confidence that there was Jesus in every moment of my life, directing it. But you'll never know that until you answer his question, do you believe? His question to Mary that day. And Martha was, hey, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. Do you believe this is the same question you have to answer today. I don't usually do this, but I'm going to put a slide on the screen that is a prayer. There's no magic prayer, but some people don't understand how do I cross the line in the sand? How do I say I'm all in? How do I enter this thing called faith in Christ? Well, it... It needs to be through a conversation with Christ where you do need to ask him to forgive your sins and to come into your life. There's no magic prayer. This one was written by Tim LaHaye. He's an author. But it sums up what needs to be done. 
And this morning, I want to give everybody an opportunity to look that over. I'll ask Tracy to come, and somebody's got to find me a Kleenex. Who's got a Kleenex box in their thing? Because if I'm going to sing, we're going to have snot and everything happening. You got one, Brian? Oh, there's one. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm going to leave that on the screen while Tracy and I come and sing this song, There Was Jesus. And I, I ask you to consider, has there been a moment where you've articulated this thought to Christ? If not, you can do it today. Put it in your own words. But pray and ask him to become your savior. And you'll find, like many have found, like, like Mark's family, like the Cook's family, there's Jesus. There's Jesus. If you could leave that, could you, could you, oh, you need, you can't. I'm so sorry. He's going to put it on the side screen. Sorry about that. That was my mistake. And we'll sing this song for you this morning. You can stay seated while we sing this for you. Every time I try to make it on my own Every time I try to stand and start to fall And all those lonely roads that I have traveled on There was Jesus
We'd like to encourage you, if you've prayed that prayer this morning on the screen or in your own words called out for a Savior, if you learned this morning that there's a so what or so that to Easter, there was Jesus. I pray you, you know him. And if you need to know him, let us know. We'd love to talk to you. Let me pray a blessing on you this morning and send you out. God, I pray a prayer over the people who attended today and those that are at home watching from afar. God, I pray a blessing this Easter day, a day where we celebrate that we have a risen Savior. God, thank you for sending your Son. But God, we recognize that this Son came to seek and to save. So God, I pray that anyone hearing this wouldn't let this opportunity go by, but to ask for salvation from a Savior who does care, who will show up, who will walk through the fire, and he'll remove guilt and shame. He removes all of our past. And God, I pray a blessing on each one today. May your face shine upon everyone here. May you bring peace. In Jesus' name, amen.